And a very good morning. Our guest in studio with us from the OSU Extension Office in Wayne County, talking agriculture, of course, is Rory Levandusky. Rory, first off, thanks for taking the time and joining us here uh, via the telephone this morning. Yeah, you're welcome, Ron. Glad to be here. On today's program, we're going to be talking with Rory about the rewards and risks of bailage as a stored forage. So first off, Rory, can you begin with a brief definition of bailage and then summarize the rewards and also risks before we look at each maybe in more detail? Okay. Well, bailage uh, combines baling with ensiling. Uh, it's forage that typically is baled at a high moisture content and then wrapped in plastic. And uh, we certainly see a lot of that happening around in our Wayne County area. Now, bailage does offer the rewards of producing a high-quality a highly palatable forage under weather conditions that typically would not be conducive to dry hay production. A University of Kentucky baleage survey found that the major barrier preventing some producers from adopting baleage were the risk of botulism or listeriosis. And when those organisms are present in baleage and they're fed unknowingly, uh, we can get livestock illness and death that uh, can result from that. So those are kind of, that's the downside of, a potential downside of baleage. Rory, how does someone then reduce the risk of botulism or listeriosis in baleage? You know, what are the keys to producing a safe but also a high-quality baleage? Yeah, well, management is, is the key here, and attention to details is really important. Specifically, uh, producers need to focus on plant maturity at harvest, uh, the moisture content at baling, the time interval between baling and wrapping with plastic, and then the number of layers of plastic that are used to wrap the bale. Uh, risk associated with feeding suspected baleage can also be reduced by using a fermentation analysis to guide some of the feeding decisions. Well, let's look at those management factors in a little more detail, Rory. How does plant maturity, first off, affect baleage quality? Uh, well, properly ensiled forages, uh, like baleage, are well accepted by livestock. They have good palatability. However, uh, forage quality cannot be improved through fermentation. So it, it, it doesn't do anything to, to improve from where you actually cut that forage. So forage quality is defined by percentage of crude protein, energy, minerals, and fiber is determined by the maturity stage at which that forage is actually mowed or harvested. Uh, so what as a producer, you need to make sure you match the forage maturity stage uh, to livestock nutrient needs and then plan your harvest accordingly. Rory Levandusky again with us here on the Farm Hour from the OSU Extension Office in Wayne County. Rory, you've mentioned that an advantage of baleage over dry hay production is that forage is baled at a high moisture content. Compared to dry hay production then, what moisture range is used when you're talking about baleage? Yeah, well, in a dry um, hay production system, we're typically talking about forage bales between 15 to maybe 20% moisture, depending on your bale type and, and the density of that bale. Now, when we talk about high-quality baleage, uh, the single most important factor that determines baleage quality is moisture content uh, of the forage at baling. And baleage research at numerous land-grant universities, including University of Wisconsin, uh, Penn State, and the University of Kentucky, have all demonstrated that baleage quality is consistently best when forage is baled somewhere in that 45 to 60 percent moisture range. And so uh, as a producer, you'd like to shoot for a moisture content of about 50 percent uh, as considered ideal. 
Rory, what happens if baleage moisture is outside of that 45 to 60 percent range? You know, what are the consequences when you're talking about being out of the range? And how does the farmer know then the moisture content of the forage? Yeah, Ron, those, uh, those are important questions. Uh, so moisture contents above 65% uh, have an increased risk of baleage undergoing clostridial fermentation. And clostridial fermentation is associated with the risk of botulism. So there we, we see that tie-in with uh, some of those factors we talked about at the beginning of the program. Now, moisture levels below 45% typically don't allow a complete fermentation. There's not enough moisture there, and so now the risk of molds is increased. And although forage moisture, uh, you know, is that a critical component, maybe the number one factor producing high-quality baleage, uh, it turns out that most producers are probably using uh, guesswork or some type of just estimation to determine the time of baling. Um, there are tools actually that are available to help a producer make a more accurate determination of forage moisture, and uh, that will be a topic for another program, uh, more detail than we can cover here. At this. Rory, you mentioned bale density is an important factor to get high-quality baleage. Could you speak on that? Why is that important? Yeah, well, in addition to moisture content, good forage fermentation is really dependent upon eliminating air. And eliminating air minimizes then the loss of plant sugars uh, due to plant respiration and allows those plant sugars to be converted to lactic and acetic acid by microbes that work in an anaerobic environment. Uh, so the rapid production then of lactic acid drives your forage pH down. Uh, it inactivates and prevents harmful molds, yeast, and bacteria from becoming established. Now, in baleage production, uh, it's essential to produce dense, tightly packed bales. Uh, work at Penn State demonstrated that as bale density increased, baleage pH dropped. That's a desirable characteristic. The goal in baleage is a pH below 5.0. And again, a tight, dense bale excludes that air and allows us to reach uh, some of those low pHs. Well, finally, the final management practice that affects baleage quality is wrapping bales in plastic. Rory, how soon after baling should this be done? Is there a critical time period for that? And, and, and how much plastic should be used to wrap bales? Also, one other question I'll throw at you. Does the number of layers of plastic that you're wrapping it with affect baleage quality? Yeah, again, all, all good questions. So both the timing and the amount of plastic used to wrap bales is important. Uh, the goal here, again, is to reduce heating caused by plant respiration. We want to get that bale into anaerobic, or so without air, we want to get into that anaerobic condition as soon as possible. Research at the University of Wisconsin showed that bales that were wrapped 24 or more hours after baling reached temperatures of 120 degrees Fahrenheit or higher. Now, that's important because at those types of temperatures, a portion of our protein actually gets tied up due to uh, what's called a, a Maillard reaction. It's a caramelization reaction. Uh, so that then makes that protein unavailable. So we've, we've got to keep temperatures below 120. Now, if we wrap bales within 4 to 12 hours or sooner, sooner is always better, and we wrap with six or more layers of one mil plastic, uh, research again has shown that that results in very minimal bale heating. It provides a favorable anaerobic environment and we get that rapid conversion of plant sugars to lactic acid that drives that pH down. So, uh, again, wrap as soon as possible after baling, certainly within 4 to 12 hours, and use at least uh, six layers of plastic. 
Rory, earlier you mentioned the risks of botulism and listeriosis with baleage. If I know that maybe conditions were not ideal when the forage was made as baleage, are there any indicators that you can look for that would serve as a warning sign about these organisms? Yes, there are. So the, uh, there was a baleage research project at the University of Kentucky. Uh, they identified some red flags that indicate an increased risk of poor quality baleage that could show up in terms of uh, decreased palatability, reduced bunk life, uh, or the increased probability of that clostridial toxin, which is botulism, or listeriosis. High-quality baleage routinely shows the following characteristics. We have a pH of 5.0 or lower. We have a lactic acid concentration of 3% or higher. We have a butyric acid content of 0.1% or less, an ash content of less than 11%, and a percent of total nitrogen as ammonia at 15% or less. So, again, those are, you know, pretty precise numbers. How, how You can't tell that by looking at it, but a fermentation analysis, so through a, a forage test in laboratory, can provide that information. Now, another, another clue or tip-off could be if that silage, that baleage, has a rancid or ammonia smell to it, uh, or you know that forage was definitely baled at a moisture content of, of greater than 68%, uh, or that baleage was harvested with a lot of soil on the stems and leaves, maybe due to like a flooding event or something like that, uh, then that baleage is definitely going to be suspect. It's higher risk, and you should definitely consider a fermentation analysis in those types of situations. Roy, two more things as we wrap up this morning's interview. A, any final comments? And if not, where can someone get more information about baleage? Yeah, I'll just say that risk management and baleage production involves understanding those factors that drive a good fermentation process. And again, attention to those details that we've discussed in today's program is typically going to result in a high-quality forage without any problems. You can contact the Wayne County Extension Office at 330-264-8722 for more information. Uh, we also have uh, information on baleage on our website at wayne.osu.edu. And again, these programs are available as a podcast courtesy of WQKT Radio. Once again, Rory Levandusky joining us. More on the way right after this quick break.